2: Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, the free agency dust has sort of settled and we dig into what comes next for the Toronto Raptors. And is it? a pascal siakam trade will examine some of the potential suitors and whether or not a deal is fit to be made plus jalen mcdaniels a nice little signing from over the weekend and some numbers to dig into exactly what a loss fred van vliet will be for the raptors we'll get into all that on today's episode of locked on raptors thanks for hanging oh because like, when i shot i expected to make it so like i don't shoot kind of miss. So.
1: you are locked on raptors part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
2: What's going on and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Tuesday, July the 4th. Happy 4th to our American listeners. Help everyone had a lovely long weekend up here in Canada as well. And uh, I'm, of course, your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter, at WoodleySean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast app of choice. And we are, of course, on YouTube as well. Please go hit the big red subscribe button over there to support the show in video form uh today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks first time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on that's prizepix.com, promo code locked on as well a reminder before we dive into the stuff today the lockdown raptors discord server still going strong adding more people by the day it's uh the link is in the description it's super fun it's a great way to uh get out the off-season angst i would say uh you know argue about trades among friends fake trade stuff uh you know it's all in there come hang out super fun and i love seeing the listeners of the show flock to the discord all right on today's show Lots of stuff to dig into. We, of course, last recorded on Saturday after the news that Fred Van VanVleet had signed the three-year $130 million deal that will make him a Houston Rocket and leave the Raptors with uh, some figuring out to do. We'll dig into what might be next in that figuring out process and how it relates to Pascal Siakam. Of course, some reports over the weekend from Michael Grange that Siakam's name is out there in the ether trade-wise. We'll dig into the Atlanta Hawks as a particular potential trade partner there coming up in just a moment here. We'll also get into the Jalen McDaniel signing, which I'm actually pretty happy about and I think kind of opens up some interesting options for the Raptors going forward here. And then I want to close it out. I have a few numbers just kind of looking now that the depth chart, if it wants to be, is kind of set. Um, you know, we'll see if a trade comes down and changes it Blows it all up. But as it stands right now, you can kind of squint and see what the Raptors' depth chart is going to look like. And there's a couple things, very notably, missing things that Fred Van Vliet brought that nobody else brings. We'll get into that at the end of the show. But let's start with. Pascal and the trade scuttlebutt around the best player on the Toronto Raptors and one of the best players in Toronto Raptors history. Over the weekend, Michael Grange reporting, uh, you know, that Siakam's name is kind of out there now as a potential name to watch. I believe he kind of doubled down on it yesterday on the Raptors show with Will Liu. And it makes sense, right? Like, People who listen to this show know that I am a big Pascal Siakam enjoyer, right? I can't look at this entirely with like clear lenses just because everything I look at through basketball or through the Raptors is like Pascal Siakam tinted. I love Pascal Siakam. I love watching Pascal Siakam. I think his story has been a delight to follow. It's just, uh, you know, it's tough to confront the potential of him moving on, but. You can't argue with the logic of it right now with where the Raptors sit with what happened over the weekend with Fred VanVleet walking and the run it back plan kind of getting nuked. There is certainly an argument to be made that now is the time to try to move on from Pascal Siakam. He's got one year left on his deal. After that, he'll be due for a, you know, max or near max contract. And, uh, you know. Not that the Raptors shouldn't want to pay him that money, because I think you should. Pascal Siakam's awesome. I don't think he's going to age particularly ungracefully over the course of the next contract that he signs. Having him on your team would be a good thing. And it should be noted as well, he has made it pretty clear in many different fashions that Toronto's where he wants to be. You shouldn't just scoff at that. That should be something that kind of factors into your consideration here. It's not often that two-time All-NBA players declare that they want to play for your franchise. It's just not... A very common thing in the NBA. And so, you know, while I think there's no obligation to trade Pascal right now because of the fact that you could extend him in theory this summer because of the fact that he's just really good. And it's probably worth keeping a really good player on your basketball team. The way the things are set up right now for the Raptors, the way the Fred Van Vliet thing kind of spoils the ideal vision of running it back and sort of the the optimized version of next year's team is just a little bit less potent. Now I can totally see the argument. If someone comes along looking for Pascal Siakam and is offering you a big haul, I think you probably got to look at it as much as it pains me to say. Again, that's not to say that they have to make this move. They're under no obligation to go trade Pascal right now. But if a team does come out of the woodwork and has a substantial offer, that kind of helps reset the roster and optimize it more for Scotty Barnes. Which I don't think you can argue right now. The roster is optimized for Scotty Barnes. There's just not enough shooting on the floor in particular. Um, you know, I think you got to look at it. So. Let's get into this from the Atlanta perspective, right? Atlanta's been the team that's tossed around for a little, bit of while, a little bit of time now as far as the most likely suitor for Pascal. And, you know, it makes sense considering Pascal spent his career uh, demolishing the Atlanta Hawks every time they play. It would make sense there's maybe some affinity for the player there in Atlanta. Um, be You know, get him inside the house so he stops ruining our lives every time we play, huh? Um, you know... <laughs> It's tough the Hawks I think right now are probably if you just look at like what they would have to offer of the realistic trade partners They're probably the most appealing if you're a Raptors fan if you're the Toronto Raptors themselves But even then I don't think it's just like this hand in glove. Okay, there's a very easy trade go make it type of thing And I do think it figures to be a pretty protracted negotiation If the Raptors and Hawks are going to get something done here, and I would imagine it's not going to happen like immediately Um, You know, there's a lot of factors that go into this right for the Hawks You know, they've kind of reached this point with their roster where, like, have they kind of maxed it out? Have they built it well enough around Trey Young? Should they just kind of pivot and sort of reassemble this thing around Trey Young to try to make it work one last time? You could argue that they're probably at that point. The problem is, is that I see this being a pretty drawn-out talk. And it might just lead nowhere because Atlanta's coming at this from a pretty bizarre place. They've just sent out a ton of picks to get DeJounte Murray a year ago, right? And I can't imagine they're going to have much of an appetite for sending out more draft capital for a guy who only has one year left on his contract. As much as I think the sort of idea that a team that trades for Pascal is going to be in tough to re-sign him I don't really buy that because look around the nba where is the cap space coming from for any of these teams yes some teams can maneuver and get themselves to cap space if they want we saw that with the sacramento kings for example but it's not exactly easy to do and while the cap is rising like 10 percent every year it seems that's still not quick enough of a rising of the cap to just create a bunch of cap space for pascal siakam to go walk into next summer And I do think just having his bird rights is going to be super valuable. How many players got a max contract in free agency this year? I believe it's exactly one, and that was Fred Van Vliet. Uh, Otherwise, it's it's hard out there to go and walk into some team's space. It's really difficult to maneuver. A lot of teams are kind of entrenched in what their rosters are. And so if you're the Hawks, you know, I think you probably stand a better chance than maybe it seems from, you know, the sort of 10,000-foot view of it all of retaining Pascal if you trade for him. And so maybe you're less worried about the pick outlay, but I can totally understand not wanting to ship out more picks in the future if you're the Hawks, considering what you just did for DeJounte Murray in a move that didn't really work all that well for you. Um, The other thing is, is Atlanta has young prospects. A lot of interesting ones. Anyeka Kongwu, really exciting young prospect. AJ Griffin, Kobe Bufkin, my dude, Jalen Johnson. I can imagine there would be haggling over who and how many of that group eventually go back to Toronto in a trade here, right? Again, the Siakam thing kind of hangs over it all you know the raptors are not obligated to trade him because they can in theory offer him offer him the extension and lock him up maybe look to trade him down the line and the hawks are concerned because it's the only one year left in the deal like I, I get it these are the things that creep into negotiations all the time um you know, I, I think if I'm the Hawks, you know, the argument that I'm making if I'm the Raptors is like Pascal Siakam would be the best teammate Trey Young's ever had and would be the best fitting good teammate that he's ever had as well. That would be a tremendous fit on both ends of the floor. Um, you know, maybe not on defense because can you really fit anybody with Trey Young on defense? Maybe not. But, you know, Siakam offers some help side rim protection, that sort of backline defense that could be very useful on a Hawks team that. Needs a lot of backline defense because of all of the, uh, you know, the hemorrhaging that goes on in their perimeter. Um, you know that that's that that's a consideration when when it comes to Murray. You know, the, the, obviously, Dejounte Murray would be the guy coming back the other way, presumably to sort of balance out that Hawks roster against the Raptors. A look at Murray, I think it's worthwhile if you're the Raptors to like get one season looking at Dejounte Murray. But I also think a thing that could be a hangup here is. Is DeJounte Murray that much of a better fit with Scotty Barnes than Pascal Siakam is? I would actually argue no. Like, we've seen proof of concept for the Scotty pascal kind of dueling heads of the snake thing down the stretch of the 21-22 season, and they were fantastic. And I think their playmaking, their intelligence, their passing, working off of one another can absolutely work. It You know, it's a little bit more tricky with a non-shooting big man in Jakob Pertl, but that's not tied to Siakam and Barnes and their own sort of simpatico as players, and I think there's a real case that Siakam's just a better fit than Murray is. Murray's not some guy who's gonna you know play off of Scotty as a dribble handoff hub and pull up and rise and fire for threes. He's just he's not a great three point shooter. He's not a terribly efficient player in general. Very good defender. I mean, the Raptors' defense would be fantastic with him at the point of attack. But, you know, it's it's not like this hand-in-glove fit or anything like that. You probably got to look at it. But I don't think Murray is sort of the attractive piece of this deal. And so you'd probably have the Raptors being like, well, we need at least two of Griffin and Buffkin and uh, a or You know, th- that's probably where they start. There are draft picks to be had as well. And I kind of feel like this is the sort of trade negotiation where Neither side feels like they're getting enough. And so it probably breaks down, and you end up with Pascal Siakam returning. And I also think that's perfectly fine if that's the case, right? Like it's not an ideal setup. This team is not necessarily suited to amplify Pascal Siakam right now. But having him on the team with the opportunity to extend him and then maybe trade him down the line when he has more term on his deal, and some other team can be like, all right, you know, let's do this. And you're not sort of dealing in the market of teams that are comfortable with a one-year almost maybe rental you're dealing with all right you've got three or four years on your deal here let's trade you to a team where you can partner up with somebody and have a bit more of an extended runway i think that's a perfectly viable outcome here as well so i would say just reading between the lines i have no intel whatsoever my guess is it doesn't actually end up happening and pascal sticks with the raptors and either extends this summer or or goes into the season with sort of the raptors intending to keep him around long term Um, you know, he said all the things that suggest that he's not going to be a major flight risk or anything like that. But, you know, obviously for the Raptors, you have to consider that part too. You just lost Fred Van Vliet for nothing after thinking he wasn't going to be a flight risk either. So there's risk in all of this, but yeah, I I would say. I don't think it's terribly likely. If it does happen, I think the Hawks are the most likely team. I can't really see another suitor out there. The Jazz maybe could get something together. Um, Maybe the Kings with Harrison Barnes extending and being trade eligible. Um, Maybe there's enough money there to make something work with Keegan Murray as a big piece coming back. It's hard to say right now, but um I, I think the hawks are the most likely partner they're an okay partner not a perfect partner and i think the negotiation could get pretty tricky there and you'll get all the leaks of oh, the raptors are overvaluing their guys but you know what <laughs> like pascal would be the best player in that trade and i they're not again they're not under any obligation to trade him and i think that's just uh maybe just a narrative we're gonna have is, all oh, the raptors overvalue those guys that's, that's like the easiest thing to leak uh, to make yourself look good as a front office ever now um so i don't know i, I don't know how much i buy into it either way That's the Pascal situation. I'm sure we'll keep talking about this throughout the week and and dig into it as more reports and subterfuge and scuttlebutt come out. Maybe there's something over Summer League that goes down, but uh, I'm I'm holding my breath on anything happening. Or I'm not holding my breath? Yeah, I don't want to hold my breath because I don't want to run out of breath. Because I think it's going to be a long time until something like that gets done, if anything. Let's get into... Jalen McDaniels in a second here, right? New signing for the Raptors. Pretty exciting one, I think, as far as, you know, two-year, $9 million signings go. We'll get into what he brings to the Raptors and uh, why I think he opens up even more trade possibilities for the Raptors to try to rebalance their roster, maybe get some of the stuff they lost with Fred VanVleet going out the door. We'll dig into that in just one second. Before we do, however, got to tell you about our good friends over at PrizePicks. We've made daily fantasy sports super fun, super engaging, and uh, really the best place to go if you want to play daily fantasy. Usually when you play fantasy sports, you're dealing with having to set your lineup every day. It's such a slog. Oh my God, is this guy out of the lineup? How am I going to react to this injury? You don't have to deal with that with prize picks. It's just that night you go and pick your players you want on your entry, and all you're doing is picking whether they're going to get more or less than their projection in a given stat. It's that easy. There's no uh, shadow expert with a team you got to try to beat behind the scenes. It's just you against the projected numbers, and that is is the way it should be so go and play prize picks right now you can pick two to six players on any entry and if you win you can hit up to 25 times your money back on any entry again no competing with other people and it's really for any sport under the sun you've got right now the wnba going strong you've got baseball ro- season rolling through as well maybe you want to put some in the all-star game or something like that you can go do that at prize picks as well entries can be made in 60 seconds or less it's that easy you get safe and fast withdrawals and they're currently operational in over 30 states and in canada in every province except for Ontario. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKED ON. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, bucks they will give you $50. they are going to match whatever you put in. Don't forget to the promo code LOCKED ON at sign up for the instant deposit match up to $100 with
1: Prize Picks. <laughs>
2: All right, let's continue on here. Jalen McDaniels. Let's dig in, shall we? Jalen McDaniels, the former Charlotte Hornet, of course, uh, and re- most recently, after the trade deadline, Philadelphia 76ers, signs with the Toronto Raptors for the biannual exception, uh, by all reports, for two years, $9 million bucks. I think it's a tidy little piece of business for the Raptors. It's obviously like you lose Fred Van Vliet and your response moves are Dennis Schroeder and Jalen McDaniels. And it feels a little bit uh, muted in terms of excitement, but I do think Jalen McDaniels is a, is a pretty interesting little play here for the Raptors. You know, he's been around the way for, for a few years now, spent a lot of time in the G league, um, making his way into the NBA. Last season was his best year, you know, for, for this sort of the, the, Full breadth of the season, 80 games played, started 24 between the Hornets and the Sixers, 9.4 points, 4.3 boards, 1.6 assists, a steal, and 0.4 blocks across 24 minutes a game. Um, and I think the thing here that's kind of intriguing is the shooting upside for Jalen McDaniels. Like, he's not like a knockdown dude going to walk in and shoot 39% for you. That's not who Jalen McDaniels is, but there are some sort of bright spots on his shooting track record that would suggest there's something there as far as upside to tap into as like a catch-and-shoot guy off the ball who can, you know, maybe attack a closeout with his length and kind of get to the bucket and all of that. Um, just to look at some of the recent numbers, during his brief time with Philly, just 24 games, only played 18 minutes a game, so, you know, take it for what it's worth, and only 1.3 attempts, but 40%. Down the stretch of the season, a nice little run of shooting for Jalen McDaniels playing with the Sixers. Uh, Before that, you know, he was only a 32% shooter on 3.6 attempts for the Hornets last year in 56 games. Obviously, the Hornets not playing in a terribly conducive to success environment. Probably the worst offense in basketball. You know, Jalen McDaniels obviously wasn't like a solution in that or anything like that, but um, was not, uh, I would say, like the biggest problem on that team by any means. And, you know, maybe with better quality looks with better teammates, he's got a better three point percentage than he had last year. Uh, the year before that, where, where LaMelo Ball notably was playing basketball, I believe, and not the year per- last year where he wasn't playing at all, shot 38 uh, percent across 55 games on two attempts a game. That is something to sort of note, I think. Um, overall, pretty good free throw shooter throughout his career as well. Last year, 84% from the line. That's encouraging. 78% is a career free throw shooter. So there's a little bit of touch. We know that free throws are sort of one of the more indicative stats to say, hey, like, this guy's got a shot to shoot threes at least. There's no guarantee by any means, but it's something. And I think that's nice. And I think just... Adding McDaniels into the bench mix, it gives you a little more insurance if Precious Achua's three-point shot's never coming back. If Chris Boucher um, is you know going to continue to be a 30-ish percent three-point shooter, it gives you the sort of upside of someone who might actually become a pretty decent shooter for you, a, a, a league average or better three-point shooter, playing in those second units, which were so starved of any space last year you can now kind of envision some pretty fun second units right now where, you know, you throw in a Grady Dick and maybe you sprinkle in a Gary Trent Jr. and OG. You have Jalen McDaniels playing the four, and then all of a sudden, oh, there's like some shooting in this second look. And there's like someone to space on the wings for whoever is running point, whether it's Dennis Schroeder or Pascal Siakam or Scotty Barnes or whomever, you know. It's a a nice bit of versatility, a nice bit of just kind of optionality to the Raptors lineups. And I think like on the whole, we'll get into the depth chart in a second, but I think on the whole, if you look at just the quality of players kind of in the second unit for the Raptors. Like, they look a lot deeper than they did last year. McDaniels is a nice addition. Schroeder is a perfectly competent backup point guard. I don't think he should be starting, um, but, you know, he's a perfectly competent backup who's had some success. And, you know, I think against lesser competition, against second units can be just fine. You know, there's more depth here. There's more sort of like viable NBA players, more combinations of lineups. Grady Dick obviously is going to come in off the bench and be asked to do a lot as he needs to help replace the departing three point volume of Fred Van Vliet. Um, You know, there's something there. I still really question like who ties it all together because they don't have a point guard right now, or at least a a good point guard who can sort of be your main initiator most times down the floor. Dennis Schroeder is not that. Um, But, you know, there's something there. And I think you know that there there are ways in which that this sort of bench can be morphed as well and kind of create a little bit more balance and i do think bringing in McDaniels opens up more possibility for trades, whether it's Chris Boucher, who we've talked about a ton. Can you flip him to the wizards for Delon Wright and get some other ball handling on this team? Um, you know, the wizards incentivize to do that. I kind of feel like Chris Boucher and the wizards is like destined to happen as you know, that's like the most Tampa Raptors is ish team there is in the NBA. Uh, so like, just go let Chris Boucher cook next to Kyle Kuzma and Jordan Poole on the worst team to score 120 points a, a, a night in NBA history. Um, you know, I'd be down for that. That'd be fun. Maybe the Wizards aren't inclined to do that. Maybe they want DeLon for more having an adult in the room, et cetera, et cetera. But that's like a deal that's out there potentially for the Raptors if they want to go down that road. I also think Precious Achua becomes an interesting trade candidate here too. And look, I love Precious. I'm like very much in on the Precious bandwagon. Everyone who listens to this show knows that. But I, I do think if you have Jalen McDaniels for the next couple of years, Are we sure, like certain that Precious Achua ever becomes an offensive player on the level of Jalen McDaniels? And that is not exactly a high bar to clear, but that's been the hang up for Precious is he's had those moments, those flashes, the second half of 21, 22, where he was incredible offensively, you know, for his standards. And it made his defense so dynamic and valuable because he could be on the floor for 25, 30 minutes a game and you were okay with it. It was not the case last year. You know, I don't profess to know where the real pressures that Chua lies offensively necessarily. Um, But I I do think if you're maybe sort of a little more skeptical that the offense is going to come along, he becomes kind of an interesting trade candidate. And maybe you can get something more as someone who has a little bit of upside in Precious, but, you know, maybe you call up the magic and say, Hey, Cole Anthony, is he available for, for a trade in exchange for Precious Achua? Is this something you'd want to do? know, um, again, you have to have two sides want to tangle in all these trades and who's to say that anyone would want Precious Achua in a deal because the Raptors, you know, it's not like he's been outstanding for them or anything like that. I do think the defense is like pretty transcendently good when it's out there. But again, he has to be on the floor for that to be a, effective um it's tough like it, it, you got to find I think a way to balance out this roster we'll get to the depth chart in a second here and it's so tilted towards bigs and forwards now that um you know it feels like something's got to give here and the McDaniels move kind of lends like a pathway for that happening but it's uh it, it's hard to sort and you have to have other teams want to play ball and there's only so many trades that can be made there's a finite number of trade combinations that are out there and you got to have teams want want to do it so we'll see but I do think the McDaniels addition is a good one, and I think it opens up some optionality for the Raptors, both if they keep this whole bench unit together and they're not trading Precious or Boucher, or if they want to ship one of those guys out for a guard, uh, McDaniels is there as a little insulation. You lose Precious, well, hey, McDaniels is there to kind of absorb the Precious role, and you can kind of survive with that. Even if, you know, it'd be nice if Jalen McDaniels were Jaden McDaniels, his better brother for the Wolves, but uh, Jalen's got some some interesting stuff to tap into, I think, as a player overall. He's only 25 as well, so something there. We'll come back on the other side, round it out with a look at the depth chart and a thing that is sorely missing without Fred Van Vliet. Pull up threes, man. Where are they going to come from? It's really, really troubling. We're going to get to that in just one second. Before we do, however, got to tell you to go and check out Locked on Leafs as the Toronto Maple Leafs had themselves a busy weekend, some good moves, some eh, not-so-good moves, and uh, you know our, our boys Mike and Dave will be breaking it all down over on Locked on Leafs, so please go check it out. It's part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team, every day.
3: No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count.
2: All right, let's round it out here with a look at the depth chart, shall we? I've got the the banner running on the screen for those watching on YouTube, uh, but I'll read off the depth chart kind of as it stands right now as well. Um, At point guard, I I guess Scotty Barnes is going to be listed there. Like, you got to put someone there, (laughs) and so I guess it's Scotty. Um, even if I think Pascal's maybe more of like a refined ball handler right now for argument's sake, we'll just throw Scotty as the starting point guard right now. Dennis Schroeder backing him up, Malachi Flynn, third stringer. At shooting guard, Gary Trent Jr., Grady Dick. And then I have like Joe Wieskamp slash Jeff Doughton Jr. I know Joe's, Joe Wieskamp's guarantee date was pushed till mid-July. Maybe he gets waived and Jeff Doughton gets his spot. Maybe someone else gets that spot. Maybe Kyle Lowry gets that spot um, once he's waived and stretched after a Damian Lillard trade. I don't know, Um, but for now, Joe Wiescamp slash Jeff Doughton is your sort of, you know, 15th man, you know, backup, third-string shooting guard type. Small forward, OG Ananobi, Jalen McDaniels, Otto Porter Jr. Boy, it'd be nice if Otto Porter Jr. could play basketball next year. It would be quite uh, an addition (laughs) of shooting and, uh, you know, being an adult. Power forward, Pascal Siakam, Precious Achua, Chris Boucher. You know, obviously Boucher and Achua are kind of amorphous in where they slot in. Achua could play anywhere between the two and the five, frankly. Uh, Boucher, four, five, whatever. And then at the five, of course, the Christian Coloco. And then Thad Young in his rightful spot as a small ball five after uh, the Raptors kept his contract on the books through his guaranteed date. Um, you know, there's something there, right? There's like, you can squint and see some excitement. I, I think there will just be inc- excitement kind of tied to Scotty Barnes. Getting thrown into the frying pan, as it were. Like, there's going to be a lot put on him, and there will be some joy to be gleaned from that. I do really, really get concerned about the offense, though, man. Like, I, look, I think the defense for this group could be really, really good. I think, as it stands, like, there's a pathway talent wise to a top five defense between Pertle and Coloco soaking up the minutes at the five, offering that rim protection. Their numbers when they were on the floor defensively last year were nuts. Koloko, when he was on the floor last year, turned the Raptors into like the 2004 Pistons. It was ridiculous. Um, Obviously, small samples and everything. But those two guys as your back line, really impressive. You have OG Ananobi. He's outstanding. You have Achua and McDaniels, who I think are really, really exciting defensive guys off the bench. You have, of course, Scotty Barnes, who I think took strides last year defensively. The big thing here is can he improve as a point of attack defender? If he's going to be a point guard, that's a massive part of his development too. It's not just the offensive stuff. It's the defensive stuff at the point of attack where he really struggled. He doesn't use his length very well, right? Like he gets too far up into guys and doesn't trust his length to sort of corral them. He, he gets blown by pretty easily. His best defensive flourishes have come with him as like a help side guy and being around the rim to protect it. Uh, it, It's just he's going to be asked to do a lot if he is, in fact, the point of attack defender guarding point guards for this Raptors team. But I still think even with that, you know, there's a lot of upside there. There's crazy length like this team is going to be a nightmare to play against defensively across the board. If you're starting Scotty, Trent, OG, Siakam, Pirtle, like that is massive. And that is going to be a very good defensive lineup. Um, again, I think top five is like not out of the question for this Raptors team. Problem is, is I think the offense could be bottom five and really, really could struggle. And it's just, I know there's the inclination to say, oh, Fred's gone. The Raptors are better now because he's not taking all those shots. No, that's just, it's not how basketball works, man. (laughs) Like you have to have certain skills on your roster to amplify the players on the roster. And Without a pull-up shooting threat, a credible pull-up shooting threat, which Fred Van Vliet absolutely was, there's just less potency to this attack. And, you know, we talk about, oh, Darko Ryakovich wants to run this .5 offense. Did Everyone's just making decisions. Well, guess what? Like, to make the decisions, there has to be an inciting incident to create the sort of cascading effect of advantage, good shot, great shot. Right now, there's no one to create that advantage in pick and roll. There will be ways to do it in dribble handoffs and post-ups and stuff like that, but Darko Ryakovich has written dissertations on pick and roll basketball. I think he wants to run a lot of pick and roll. I'm not sure how they effectively run a lot of pick and roll right now without a credible pull-up three-point shooter. Just go. With, let's just take a look at some of these numbers. Last year, the Raptors as a team averaged 8.9 pull-up three-pointers a game. Fred Van Vliet took four and a half of those. Half of the Raptors' pull-up volume came from Fred Van Vliet. He was also, in addition to being the highest volume pull-up shooter on the team, the most accurate. He shot 33.6% on pull-up threes, which is a pretty good mark. It was his catch and shoots that really let him down last year. 30, 336 on pull-ups is good. Uh, again, four and a half attempts a game. The rest of the sort of core offensive pieces on this team... Gary Trent Jr., two pull-ups a game, 29.9%, bad, low volume. Pascal Siakam, 27.4% on one pull-up a game. OG Ananobi, 31.3% on 0.7 pull-ups a game. I don't know where the pull-up volume is coming from, and the pull-up shot in 2023 is incredibly important to basketball being played effectively on offense. Grady Dick, You know, we all get excited about his three-point shooting, and I very much am. He's going to be awesome. I can't wait to watch Grady Dick fly around off screens and do his thing. But as much as the number has been out there of, oh, we shot better than 50% on pull-ups in college, that's great. That's fantastic. Most of those pull-ups were the sort of relocation, essentially catch-and-shoots where you have one or two dribbles and you kind of relocate on the arc and pull up from there. Again, that's an impressive skill to have. It's very good, but it's not the type of defense bending pull up at the top of a pick and roll so you make the defense have to come out high and stretch itself in order to you know garner against that threat like it's just it's non-existent on this roster right now Dennis Schroeder doesn't do it and they've got to find a way to create some sort of pull-up threat on this team and maybe it's just that someone gets better at it. Maybe Scotty Barnes walks in next year and is hitting one and pull up three a game. I don't think that's going to happen because that's a lot to ask of a guy. And that is a very difficult skill to add into your bag in year three when there's a whole lot of other development going on as well. That's not realistic. If it happens, incredible. It's an absolute game changer, but you can't bank on that happening. And I just don't see another player on this team who's going to fill in that massive void of pull up three point shooting again. Fred Van Vliet, not a perfect player by any means. The Raptors could not have possibly in any universe matched the money the Houston Rockets paid him. On on its surface, $43 million for Fred Van Vliet is crazy. It's nuts. I'm very happy he got the bag. The Raptors could not have in in good conscience matched that to bring him back. But it does leave them with a massive void in pull-up shooting. And they don't have someone right now who can fill that in. And for that reason, I think this Raptors offense could very well be one of the five worst in basketball next year. Yes, they can go on the margins and do the offensive rebounding thing, but I don't know if that's going to be part of the, the plan here with you know, Darko Ryakovich coming in and replacing Nick Nurse. Granted, the Grizzlies were a very offensive, rebounding-heavy team. That's how they overcame their half-court issues. Maybe the Raptors stick with that. It's a strength of theirs. Darko's all about leaning into your strengths. Maybe they continue to be the offensive rebounding team that just collects bricks and puts them back up and in. But again, like, do you want to watch that again? That wasn't very uh, impressive last year. It wasn't exactly conducive to incredible offensive success. It just made them average instead of awful. Do you want that again? I don't really know. And then it just, end of the day, this number is the one that's got me worried about the Raptors offense as it stands right now. Look, things can change. They could trade Pascal Siakam and the whole thing is different. But right now, it's just, it's a pretty grim offensive picture. Last season with Fred Van Vliet on the floor, 116.1 offensive rating with him on the floor. It was the second highest on court offensive rating of any player on the team. Uh, behind only Jakob Purtle among regulars, Ron Harper Jr. and Christian Coloco a little bit higher, I think. Um, but either way, 116.1 offensive rating with Fred on the floor. That would have been the sixth best offense in the NBA. It's pretty good. When Fred sat last year, which was not a lot, if you recall, he played like 38 minutes a game, but when he sat, it was a disaster show. The Raptors with Fred off the floor last year had 109.4 offensive rating. That is was the worst mark for, for anyone on the team, like the, the biggest drop-off, the, the worst mark when he was on the bench, 109.4. They were never at their at, at their worst, more than they were at their worst when Fred sat. That would have been the 29th ranked offense in the NBA this past season. Really stinky, not good. <laughs> like Obviously, there's potential for lineups that didn't get a ton of look, looks or, or run to get more run and maybe perform better offensively with more time together. But for the most part, not having Fred Van Vliet was death for the Raptors offense last season. And I don't see how they've resolved that problem by losing Fred Van Vliet and replacing him with Dennis Schroeder. It's just it's not fixing that issue. Without his pull-up threat, there are just limited ways for the Raptors to bend the defense. And it's like, it's going to be on Darko to try to figure this out. Like, good luck, man, in your very first time as a head coach trying to figure out this offense maybe there's some ingenuity there again i believe a lot in the power of basketball imagination and sort of putting the pieces together in a way that maybe other people haven't seen before or thought about before but it's a really tall task for uh, darko Ryakovic to figure out how to get good offense out of this team it just seems like it's going to be an uphill battle all season long if this is the group again things can change people can be brought in we'll see but as it stands right now this could be like a top five defense but a bottom five offense which gets you pretty much to exactly 500 which is where you were this past year. We'll see, but that's kind of where I'm at. It's uh it's not ideal, man. We'll we'll, we'll continue. There'll be some positive spin, I'm sure. Look, Fred VanVleet walking, there are some silver linings when it comes to uh, assembling more depth. You, know, you don't have Schroeder and McDaniels kind of filling out that second unit. If you have Fred back, the the, the depth is worse. Sure, that's a part of it. Um, and maybe there's a, a way they can go and replace that, that vacancy in shooting. But right now, it's uh, I'm struggling to see how this team plays anything resembling offense that is good, and that might lead us back to the thing off the top that we talked about, which is a Pascal Siakam trade, because this team probably just ain't really good enough to, to roll out next year. We'll see. I, I, <laughs> I think the defense could be very good. I'm very bullish on the defense, and I'm excited to see some elements of this team, but the offense is going to be a, a slog, man, and, and for a group, of fan base that's watched offensive slogs now for a few seasons. Uh, I'm not terribly thrilled about it, but hey, that is what it is. And uh, we'll leave it there. But thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again on a Wednesday, as uh, I'm sure there'll be more stuff that comes out between now and then, and we'll react to it thusly, and uh, very much appreciate you taking the time to tune in. Please follow, subscribe, rate, review, join the Discord, link is in the description, all that good stuff. It's always appreciated, but we'll leave you there. Thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, have yourself a lovely rest of your Tuesday. Bye-bye. Thanks for hanging.